friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my favorite Senate co-host. That's <laughs> <laughs> nah, Alex Tito. <laughs> All right. I mean, Satan or John Milton or whatever you all right, we don't have time for all your names. We got to get some business done. <laughs> all right. I have so many names. <laughs> Guys, thank you as always for joining us. Uh, before we start the show, a little business. Please take a second right now, please. Uh, leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially if that happens to be Apple Podcast app. Helps us defeat the algorithmic overlords. Escape this algorithmic hell that so many podcasts find themselves in. So thank you guys for that quick five-star Quick uh, couple sentences why you like the show means the world to us. Make sure to go to YouTube and subscribe to our channel, Film Alchemist, uh, to find video versions of most of these podcasts and a lot of other fun stuff uh, that we're working on over there. Also, you can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, or you can find us on all the social media you're on. We're there, too. Uh, That's a great way to reach out to us. Let us know the movies you'd like to hear covered. Be they new, old, double feature, themes, guest host you would like us to talk to. Uh, You guys let us know what show you want, and we do our best to give that to you. All right. That's enough business. Uh, Today, the pod takes yet another case. Uh, Maybe the most important case of all time. The first case, I suppose. first case. Yes. The first and biggest case, uh, you know, for Christians. Uh, The devil's advocate, Al Pacino. Keanu Reeves, Charlize Theron. Uh, I don't know how to start. I fucking love this movie so, so much. Like truly, truly with all of my soul. I just love this kind of movie. I love that it exists in this form. It's just this big, bloated, nasty movie, right? That At the core just has this courtroom. It's... I don't know. It's just everything I love in a movie. Alex, your opening thoughts. Oh, this movie is one of my favorites. Like, there's absolutely nothing about the two hours and almost 30 minutes of awesomeness that occurs in this movie that I don't love. It's a level of Al Pacino-ness we haven't seen yet. And like he starts it in Scent of a Woman, <laughs> you get it in a little bit more in Heat, and then here's where he's at like, the big he's doing the best Al Pacino impression he can and it's and I'm saying Al Pacino doing an Al Pacino impression I mean that when I say it it's yeah incredible Taylor Hackford's just one of those like all-time great directors of just like the longest movies that I'm still gonna sit there and watch just I don't know what it is he's just good at that shit and then you got Keanu doing his best just like letting like getting out of the way it's that florida stud thing (laughs) it's that florida stud getting out of the way for uh al pacino to just like fucking put it to the mattress and it's just so good man like it's everything's very like this is the thing i like about the devil's advocate is everything is very simple from a plotting standpoint like you know pretty much from the jump what the deal is like they don't really leave you a whole lot of breadcrumbs of like, oh, I wonder where this is leading. It's in the fucking title of the movie. And then on top of everything else, like there's nothing subtle about it. And it works so well, so fucking well. It's so good. 
Well, it is funny as you start to watch, you're like, I feel like the devil was the role Al Pacino was crafted to play. It's also funny because as the movie was rolling on, I was I was coming to the thought that Al Pacino somewhat cemented the Nicolas Cage playbook in the 90s. He was somewhat a foreshadowing version yes. of what Nicolas yes. Cage is running through now. Perfect, perfect example. Yeah, I just don't know that Pacino has found his like Nicolas Cage is in this kind of horror renaissance. I don't know that yeah. Pacino's found that thing yet, right? He kind of was doing some Duncan Chinos and weird shit like that. But this was the when he he realized what was so spectacular about himself. And he goes, what if I just crank that to 11 and just yeah. do a couple movies playing a big cartoon version of myself? And that is, again, the Nicolas Cage playbook that we, we just didn't see it. We didn't know yet what he had done. And right. so <laughs> I just he's he's flawless in this movie. And and Keanu Reeves becomes this very perfect foil for him. Right. Because he's a very. He's a very subdued and calm. Uh, he tries, right? He gets big and emotional and mad. But I feel like Keanu Reeves at his core is an actor who's always trying to play small. He He's like the Spielberg shot come to life, right? That stunned, slack-jawed awe. That's kind of what Keanu is in man form, right? <laughs> and that is the perfect thing to have playing aside a Al Pacino, right? If you had had like cocky, brash young lawyer, right? who's mm-hmm. trying to, you know, match wits with Pacino. I don't think this movie works. And so they really form this absolutely perfect symbiosis. Well, yeah, I mean, it is this really, you know, and purposely so, it is this very interesting, like, mentor-mentee, father-son vibe that's trying to be fostered. And, again, Keanu Reeves does such a good job. And uh, everyone always hates on Keanu Reeves' acting abilities. And he has... A vibe like that's what Keanu Reeves does but like in this movie he does such a good job of getting out of Pacino's way but also maintaining himself in a scene which is really difficult like Al Pacino is one of the most eloquent scenery chewers in all of in all of cinema <laughs> like and that's not a by the way that sounds like an insult I honestly it's it's an incredible thing to watch because he's That's actually so nicer good. than I would like his, his style of scenery chewing is fucking chainsaw massacre. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's bonkers that it works so well. And like, yeah, the movie's got its own gravitas, but like it's Al Pacino just doing what he does. And Keanu Reeves does a job of getting out of his way, but also holding his own, like, he does very good opposite Charlize Theron. Like they're like, yeah, they have really good scenes together. They have scenes that actually like only resonate in a lot of ways. There's a lot of great stuff that happens without Al Pacino in this movie that makes the Al Pacino stuff that much more entertaining a lot of the time. Like that's, that's what I think is so great about the movie. Right. And I think Keanu becomes a really good core for the film, right? Because on the one hand you have this big bombastic, you know, kind of Gatsby character, right? And Pacino, this over-the-top pro wrestling announcer monster. And then right. on the other side, you just have this this life partner, this woman, this this girl that he does tequila shooters with, and you know, skanky Florida bars and licks her butt on the dance floor. But then she also this transition into her becoming New York socialite and watching her be ripped apart mm-hmm. by this crushing loneliness and the ghost of this place. She's yeah. amazing in this film. But that's a very different kind of performance than Pacino's giving. And so oh, yeah. the thing about Keanu, everyone talks shit about his acting. I don't think that 
He's obviously a great actor because I don't think there's any bad actor that is in so many beloved films as Keanu Reeves. I just don't think that's a thing. I think I that think Keanu, he knows his boundaries. And yes. I think Keanu's the guy who's not going to try so hard to prove you wrong that he's going to fuck up a film. So he yeah. stays in his lane and does really well with what he's able to do. Keanu Reeves in every single movie he's ever been in has never done more than he than he can do. He tried to be a better actor than anybody in the movie because he shares the scenes. And I think that's a really important thing about the way Keanu Reeves acts is he gets a lot of shit for being stoic, quiet, having like his line reads are very weird. I got to be honest, man, like watch Point Break. Not a lot of stoicness in that movie, <laughs> but he knows <laughs> how to share the scene. He knows how to build a scene, knows how to build rapport with characters. So by the end of the movie, you believe every single thing. Like, it's interesting because I watched this movie, watching Pacino strutter his thing. And it's kind of fascinating because you think about it now too. And like, I've now seen Keanu Reeves also play up the Keanu Reeves character multiple times in multiple ways in a bunch of other movies. And I can't help but kind of see like, Maybe the Pacino blueprint, like we were talking about the cage thing, the Pacino Nicholas Cage blueprint is the, I think that's the MO for any actor who's become like the version of themselves that everybody thinks of them. That's what they should all be doing. And Keanu Reeves, as a young man, you can see him just doing this, um, like doing this great dance and letting out, getting out of Pacino's way, getting out of um, that woman who plays his assistant's way. Like everybody everybody he goes up with every, everybody's in a scene with everybody has their beat. He lets them have their moment. And then he comes mm -hmm. back in. It's, it's admirable. It's really fascinating to watch. Cause I, I agree. I, yeah, I just, I think it's one of those because that's thing. Everyone is like universally Al Pacino is a great actor. Cause he can give you the big, the memorable. Right. And that right. It, it's two different schools. Right. But like, even in the opening of this movie, right. There's a lot going on. Keanu's really having to, to emote and act in these scenes, right? So he's a defense lawyer who is just defending the greasiest teacher this side of the Mississippi. I'm not going to lie. This was a, a really fun experience because watching it again, I was like, oh, this is one of those you just forget that this movie's off the rails immediately. Because I thought it was one of those, all right, we're playing along, we're playing along. Um, all of a sudden we see some lingerie demons, things go off the rail. No, 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 no. This happens right away where Keanu is, you know, about to prosecute the slumber party. And I had forgotten that Gettys starts jerking off at the defense table. Totally, <laughs> totally, totally forgot about that. Like I rewound it and I'm like, why is he so upset about him looking down? Like what's going on? And I had to rewind it and I'm like, my God, what the fuck? How does it like that's like the you movie know what's starts? Weird? I used to watch this with my parents. I know you did as well. I'm not sure if this was a they fast forwarded or just I was so young. I didn't remember because I guess I've never really watched the I've only ever really watched this movie when it's been on TV, like a and yeah. You'd find I, like the last half and be like, I'll finish this. But right. I had forgot. So this thing starts with a defendant. Totally forgot up. about this. And this is a great way to start the film, right? Because it's a classic. I mean, obviously, it's in the title, The Devil's Advocate, right? He's obviously on the wrong side of the morals. But he walks out and he has this, you had me fooled, you had me fooled, whatever fucking voice Keanu's doing, right? And, <laughs> and the guy's like, it's your job to fucking defend me. And Keanu goes into the bathroom 
takes his wedding ring off and has a real staring into the mirror moment. As you know, I always get rock hard for actors acting at themselves in a mirror. This was a really good one. This is the moment where we see as hard as Getty's in a courtroom for this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I'm watching this and I, I just thought that was a fascinating bit, right? Because he knows what has happened, right? He knows that this is bad. He knows it's wrong. And essentially a reporter comes in and gives him the business. Everyone's got to lose eventually, right? The wonder kid lost. So at his moment of crisis, all it takes is a schoolyard taunt that he's no longer the unwinnable guy, right? Or the unbeatable guy, right? Beatable. Yeah, which as you're watching this, you're like, yeah, this feels like the case that every lawyer would lose. It's like, well, you know, I know my record is tarnished now, but the defense was fucking flogging himself at the table during the confession of his crimes. Uh, You know, it was a bit of an uphill battle. But what he does, and this is how I also knew Keanu was an evil man. He didn't wash his hands after peeing. Just throws the ring back on and he's like, we're going to get dirty. Let's do it. And walks back in and starts slinging accusations at that poor child and just crushes her in front of the whole room. Wins the case. And I was like, that's a brilliant because that that I feel like that's a lot of the movies we've talked about in the courtroom dramas. What they play up is that the convoluted nature of the legal system. And I feel like a lot of these movies, what they play at is. If you're not playing in good faith, how far can you take this? Right. And it is it's very it's very uh, apt metaphor for this biblical battle we're about to embark on. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's what that opener of the movie is really kind of like the summation of the story. And again, like, like I said in the beginning, there's nothing like overtly subtle about this movie. Like literally Al Pacino's character is named John Milton. That should tell you right there what kind of movie we're watching. Like, I mean, not even learned people would like, I I didn't even have to go to college to know what Paradise Lost is. Like, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, I get it. It's the devil, like whatever. Yeah, it's the book we all know about and no one's ever read (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly it's the book we all read about we all know it was supposed to be a movie it wasn't like it's fine it's over with we read better books and they're like this was kind of inspired by paradise last year oh good i'll skip that one then <laughs> but like that to me is the that to me is kind of the like the score that's like the scoreboard of the movie itself is like telling me exactly what at the beginning like okay this is a guy who will win at all costs he will he could have done the right thing. Like he had a moment right there. He had the moment to do the right thing, which was like, okay, this guy is literally like tapping himself senseless underneath the courtroom, underneath my table. I got to tell like, Hey, I'm fairly certain he did it. Like, I don't know what to tell you guys. Like, But, but this is the thing though. And I think doesn't this, lose. Is the, this is the fun cover is that what he does is his job to exceptional merit. I think we all have in our mind is that a defense attorney is just there to make sure that contracts are signed. That's not what they're there That's for. They're not job, what these guys are there for. They yeah, are there even though to this defend. guy, you know, Keanu Reeves just like, well, the under part of the table already has chewed bubble gum on it. What's one more sticky lump? Innocent. You know what I mean? Like, right. so he's doing his job. And this, this is another one of those covers in the movie, right? We get to this, you know, the many faces of the people we see in the film, right? Mm-hmm. How you present. This gets back to Keanu, though. This is one of the cool things, too, because what we learn about him early is that he's a master of picking juries, right? 
that that even more than his equal skill, right? He talks about that like five times in the movie. Like, I got the jury, I won't. I should have this case. Not, I believe in this client, you know, or like Richard Gere in Primal Fear is like, you know, this is about my glory hounding and proving myself right. He's just like, I've got the jury, right? I'm playing right. to them, the, the men and women of this group. Right. And so what it gets to is this, it's this crafting of your own truth, right? This, if yeah. I can sell it to 12 other people, is it more or less true, right? Right. And whatever we, the audience knows is true. So I feel like everyone watching the movie, the moment you see Gettys, you're like, yeah, yep. Guilty. Mm-hmm. Yep. A hundred percent. There's no way. Yeah, absolutely. But that's why but a like, guy like Keanu is a fascinating legal character because right. we are always fascinated by movies about men that can bend this system like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's, I think it's our nightmare because I think it's that Churchill quote, right? When he says uh, democracy is the worst form of government, except for except all for the other all the others. Yes. Yeah. And that's how I feel about our legal system sometimes, especially when you start watching these movies. Is you're like, you want to believe in it, but you just know that there are these fucking cracks. I mean, technically I, what he did is how the system's intended to work. Right. And I mean, like that to me is like, so jury selection is called Wadir. And so like, that's the kind of thing where, when someone says like it shouldn't be a thing anyone specializes in like that's kind of the thing that it's always fascinating to me about Wadir is like when you or maybe for Wadir's reading a witness either way jury selection should not be a specialty okay hey like, slow down saying, Matlock for the rest of us <laughs> sorry my bad <laughs> um but like that should not be like to me that's the kind of like the corruption in and of itself is like your strategy should be your legal strategy. It shouldn't be, I know how to pick a jury. Like that, I think is kind of the really fascinating and interesting thing about this movie is there, in reality, Keanu, Kevin Lomax, Keanu Reeves' character is kind of a shitty lawyer, but he's a great lawyer because he knows how to pick a jury. That is what makes him a good lawyer. Not that he knows how to, not that he knows how to litigate better than the rest of them. It's that he knows how to pick a jury to hear his story and to understand it, to sympathize with it so that they will sympathize with his client. That to me is it's fascinating. Cause like that is the original corruption, the original sin as it were for this movie is it's not, I went to school. I learned from the best legal minds. I did what I could. It's I know how to read people more than anything. So it's not that I understand the law. It's that I understand people. And that yeah. is that in and of itself is as we find out in the movie later on, is the essential is the essential elements of uh, our uh, friend John Milton Al Pacino. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of a beautiful metaphor, right? Is that you can defeat the corruption exactly. in our legal system by playing to the worst parts of the humans that are supposed Absolutely. to be passing judgment on other broken humans. It's pretty cool circle. Um, I do like that they just add in right, just in case that we start to really like Keanu Reeves, and you're like, well, he got Charlize, so he can't be all bad. And when he gets subpoenaed or whatever, or he thinks he's subpoenaed, he goes, oh, who put you up to this? The black thing, priceless. That's like, ooh, Florida racism. <laughs> Just sliding that in real quick. Yeah, see, that was like, <laughs> that was like the one thing I was like, ooh, that was yeah. a little too close to Florida. But that's what I mean. You forget. You're like, oh, this movie's coming out swinging, like immediately setting the stakes really high. Um, Yeah, yeah so... I think it's funny when we meet Milton, right? Because this is a really cool scene too. So he goes to New York and I love this concept of like, of course he's going to take it, right? He's kind of waffling. I don't know. I don't know. 
And his wife is like the one who's like, yeah, of course we're going to take this. We're not going to keep going to, right. you know, frog bumpers every Tuesday for jello shot night. <laughs> of course we're doing this, right? So she's right. buying in in a way. Mm-hmm. He no, goes there. Are. But this is the funny thing I, I'll always remember about the Milton and him opening, right? So there's a bit when he starts talking about how'd you win all them cases? You know, <laughs> he starts like grilling him. And he essentially says that he had a jury glory hole, right? He's like, I used to go up there and listen through the glory hole of justice. And I was like, that's horseshit. That obviously didn't happen, right? We were in that washroom. There's no glory hole to justice. And also, how's that going to help him? The jury's deliberating when he's in there, or right? When he's not in there. How is this? Like, I don't, I thought that was weird. Why does he lie and play humble in front of Milton the first time he sees him? Is this his own version of don't let him see you coming? What do you what do you make of that first lie? Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, it's it's a matter. It's like any job interview. You're not going to show your cards just yet. You're going to put on your best face. And like when you're the country lawyer from deep in the Florida <laughs> South and you come up to the big city, you show up and you uh, you play it humble. But see, I feel like, but that's not even humble. humble. That's him specifically telling Milton, I'm a cheat. Like, I'm not even good at this. But that's what it is. Like, you play it humble in that way. Like, of course, if you're saying you're not good at it, yet you're unbeatable. Literally, you've never lost a case and you're not good at lawyering. You're a cheat. Come on. Like, that is, that is, that is like the most false humility you could, you could muster. (laughs) Fucking humble brag. That's exact. It's like the original humble brag. Because what's fascinating is like Kevin doesn't grit. Kevin really doesn't show his teeth until he's in that jury selection room with the other lawyer. And literally, the other lawyer is like, the other lawyer is like, I don't know what you do down in Florida, you country bumpkin idiots. Yeah. But this is New York. This is big time. I'm like, all right. Well, to be fair, I would also not want my job security based on new guy from Florida. <laughs> like, that would also I mean, throw me. I think in 2021, we can all agree on that. But yeah, that's a know. cool scene though. Him being like, ah, uh, she wants to be on here. This is a, and yeah, I don't know. I thought that was cool though, but it's, it's funny because that but whole, I like the humble brag. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Cause it sets up this, oh my God, he's deviling the devil. Right. Yeah, and then I love absolutely. that, you know, are we negotiating? Always. <laughs> are we negotiating? Like, oh, from the Always. moment you see it. Yeah. You're like, this movie is so fucking kick-ass. I fucking love it immediately. But I just I I like buying into that, right? I do too, man. I really do. It is one of those just like it is again, and I keep saying stuff like this throughout the pod, and it's, I'm sorry and up front, it is sinfully entertaining because it's Whoa! just <laughs> it's so again, it's so set up. Like there's nothing surprising about what happens in this movie, and yet I'm enthralled the entire time. Like the characters, the way things plan out, the way things, everything, the way everything goes is so calculated and calculable that it it should just be like one of these like run of the mill matinee movies. You're like, yeah, we get it. It's going to happen. And yet I'm just like on the edge of my seat. I'm like, how is this going to go down this way? And that is like the mastery of this movie. And the real like <laughs> charm of the whole thing is like, I am engaged the entire time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the because it, it, it it's a really funny journey because it's twofold, right? Is it it's the sinner walking into hell, right? And we know that from the jump. There's no hiding who Milton is. 
There's no hiding the, you know, just naked ambition of Kevin, right? And we see him being a neglectful shit constantly. We know he's going to cheat on his wife with the woman in the red dress. There is nothing, but this is the funny thing, right? Is it's it's like being at Barzoon's party, that first party, right? Where once Pacino walks in and just sweeps through the room, you feel like you're, this is the twofold journey I had in this movie though, right? Where one, I was like, God, Pacino's amazing. Like, imagine being in his orbit. Of course, I would do all this center shit. You know, of course, I would be sitting and doing fucking elevator orgies and anything this man asked, right? Family and good, decent manness be damned, right? I'm hanging out with Pacino. But there's a fucking point in the movie that hit me. And I was like, it's actually kind of a cool twist is I was like, this movie makes the devil so small and so fucking pathetic absolutely he's a middle manager but not 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 even that right i'm not talking about his powers but there is a i think there's like this grandioseness we we ascribe to the devil right this ultimate evil and in the movie he is a mastermind he knows all the angles he's playing the strings imagine though that you are this being right this master of darkness who's been here since the beginning this is mine right that guy that can do that moment and then you're like well it's thursday I'm going down to, uh, you know, El Taquitos to get a blowjob and sweatily salsa dance. And I was like, that's such a pathetic thing for the devil to do. That is not oh, this brandy. No, no absolutely see, no, not. No, this no. is not a Clyde Barker operatic like nipples and chains and clamps. This is just a, yes, I would like an extra bowl of free chips. And I go, ha, 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 to Kevin Lomax. What the fuck? I watched that scene and I was like, the devil is so pathetic. But I think oh, that's, no, man. but I think that's... that's cool though, right? The patheticness is a cool new angle to the devil because it's always, he's catty to God, but his patheticness is, was a, a feature that stood out to me and really made this much more fun. See, I don't, I wouldn't ascribe it to being pathetic though. Like that to me is not what, that's not to me a pathetic thing for the devil devil and not only that this version of the devil in this movie literally points it out at the very end of the movie like in that i mean we'll get to this like all-timer of a speech al pacino gets to give like one of my favorite beats he's got like five of them by the way (laughs) yeah no he has like five like soliloquies the last one being like (laughs) which we'll get to but like that to me is the best part about this version of the devil is he literally he's like i've been here since the beginning in the trenches it's not pathetic to he's like i'm just gonna go what he's doing he's learning he's deciding to be amongst the people like he's endearing himself to humanity that is the devil incarnate right there you would not know the devil if it poked you in the face i mean and it and it will and it will that's the fucked up (laughs) this devil would love that he'd be like well it's wednesday there's a coupon at applebee's let's go but that's what i mean I he's think not going to get trash aritas. He's going to a the hot fuck night he's club. not. The hot fuck night he's club. not. How dare you? Yeah. How dare you? The hot nightclub. No way. He was not the world's most interesting man. He was the world's most creepy uncle in that Ooh. scene. Yeah, that was pathetic. But that's Listen, what Griffey, I mean. Though. This is where your coastal elitism would really come in handy. How dare you? you. Understand. How dare you? He was a real American from middle America, Indiana. <laughs> this is where your coastal elitism would really come in handy because you got to know those How small nightclubs. That's where it's at. 
I mean, we don't have a choice but to go to Applebee's. I know you guys have options and delivery. I agree. I feel bad for you. You have to go get a $5 trash read and yeah. a couple of taquitos. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I'm a black belt and pathetic. I know. I can fucking smell it a mile you away. You cannot own in this one, my friend. You're telling me when he's like, I take the subway so I can tell guys their wife's getting butt fucked. Like, you're not like, that's a little bit pathetic. No. Like, doesn't he have anything better to do? No, he's done it all. What are you talking about? Anything better to do? This is what I'm saying. He has this, something better to do, which is top. He's no, his job is to fucking pilot, right? He needs to pilot that Kinu dong into his daughter. That's his whole job. But he's like, but it's Tuesday. This is what I drink. And it's like, I, but this is what I mean. You keep saying that I'm saying it's pathetic. I like it though. The pettiness of the devil in this, the fact that that's I agree, Phil can torque him up to do something so lame. That's exactly what I'm is talking a good about. It's feature. not pathetic. It's the grand. It's the grand scheme. That's part of it. No, like, but I'm saying the pathetic is built in as a as a flavor. It's a flavor. It's not pathetic. It's said petty is a much better word than pathetic. It could be both. <laughs> it can be no, both. It's not both. <laughs> How dare you? Listen, you don't sit atop the tower unless you're going to show people. You don't sit atop the tower and then you just stay there. It's the devil, man. He wants to show you how to get dirty. That's part of it, man. Yeah, but you can have the fucking people come up to your your fucking Hellraiser chambers. What's the fun in that? Oh, my God. What? That would be the most. Oh, dude, I would have an elaborate throne. I would have fucking games and. Oh, it'd be awesome. My, yeah, my, my it. devil. Your lair, fucking super cool devil's advocate man cave is great. That's yes, wonderful. It would be like Dave and Buster's mixed with a sex dungeon and it would be delightful. Yeah. Well, and we're talking about salsa dancing. Yeah. We're talking sweatily. about, yeah, we're talking about, why is the devil so you? sweaty? Why is the devil so sweaty? Cause he's dancing. He's a fucking devil. This is what I mean, though. The sad. This is, this is, okay, that is a stupid critique. I'm sorry. That, but, I, but I don't think so. I think it's Why insane. Is, really? That's the that's what you want to go with here? You don't think it's strange at all that the devil who can literally burst into flames fucking bust a sweat like he's crossfitting because he shakes his hip three times? So he has... So he just, he doesn't want to, like, it's fitting in with man. What are you talking about? You think he's got glands like us? No, he's an angelic Kinu. But this You're is right. what I'm Sorry. saying. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I feel like we're off. I didn't know this tangent. I thought you were going to say excellent observation, Griff, and we were going to move on. Now we're on this. I think, I think pathetic's such a, the wrong word. I don't think so. And what it does is him being pathetic, right? Not only does it add flavor to the Satan in this movie, but it shows an extra flavor to God. I think this I was say, God's number one angel. And look at how fucking pitiful he made him. I think I would say it makes him human, not pathetic. Okay. But compared to the almighties, we are pathetic, right? That's the point. He wants to be down in the world of man. That is the, that is the gag. The, they say it, it's, they say it in fucking what? Uh, usual suspects. I mean, the best the best gag the ever uh, the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Yes, no, I agree with that sentiment. Okay, we're off on it. So of course he has to sweat. Oh <laughs> my god, he sweats like me. 
He sweats like me. That's how bad it was. Anyways. Dude, it's salsa, man. The devil's pathetic. Salsa? The devil in this movie is the most pathetic, and I, I love this. him. And I love him. I love him for it. He's sad. He's a sad little creepy man. And I love him for it in this film. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about, uh, Charlize Theron's arc in this film almost wow. feels like it's from another movie. Because it is so okay. it is so dramatically impactful yeah. in a way that the rest of the movie is desperately trying not to be. Uh but I found it it's it didn't clog up the works. It's actually a really important element of the film to me, right? Because it feels oh, like no, I mean, you're di- digressing to watch a real movie for a while instead of this kind of sweaty, pathetic fun we're having. What do you make of Charlize Theron in this film? I mean, I think we both agree she's amazing, but what about uh, her performance left off the screen? Right. I mean, conversely, with the super interesting, uh, delightfully demonic fun they're having, uh, Charlize <laughs> Theron's journey. <laughs> Charlize Theron's journey. Um, it's interesting because you would think that's the vibe you're supposed to get with like, you know, Rosemary's baby was the first thing I thought of is I'm like, Oh, I remember the first time I saw it. I'm like, Oh, interesting. Like we're going to do this Rosemary's baby thing, but like the devil's like fully present. Uh, Being much more about targeting Kevin's love of his wife and deciding that that was his greatest weakness singular like making him singular was a really important thing so separating them very quickly became a thing so as she takes this sort of tumble into madness and not only tumble into madness but like you could also look at the stress of just look i've moved a lot in my life and i know you have too like the stress of just moving is enough like she's changing her hair she wants to fit in there's all these there's all these mechanisms that could be plagued as simply just like this is a lot but then here's like my like my big thing, and I totally forgot about this was her dream she has oh, with the baby. Oh my god! Which like I fucking I like I, I I was I I gagged like I was like oh my god yeah like so she's literally like sitting at this staring at this baby holding her fucking ovaries and you're like well this Jesus. is the weird part because that dream starts with she sees herself walk out of the room. Right, yep. follows herself to a room which becomes a baby out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. this is one of those things that it didn't quite hit with me, but this time it was it was sledgehammer powerful. Um, yeah, the way she crawls on the floor and she's talking to that kid, like, Hey, little guy, how'd you get in here? As if it's even conceivable that this child could be in there without some nefarious, you know, yeah. pathetic, sweaty creep. You know, right. from well, half like ma- days doing it. It's like this weird maternal instinct. In but not even is- that. See, not even maternal, just desperate for anything to graft affection onto. Right? Because at too. this point, Kevin has so divorced himself from her reality. Right? right. And all he does Literally is her like she's a fucking tumor on his life. And so that moment of her, again, it's not even like, a, oh, my own baby. It's just this fucking, there's something that I can love and can love me back. Mm-hmm. It was devastating. Oh, it, no, I mean, it's it was like fucking horrifying. It's absolutely though. brutal. Like, it's one of those things where the scene, it's like that crystallizes her just complete descent into madness. And 
you also realize that that's pro you also are at that point too in the movie where you're like all of this is leading to what has to be her inevitable end because they try so hard to push them apart and i think that's the really important thing like when kevin's mom shows up and starts sort of being more present and also like when she first meets John Milton, which is always a really great moment, I think, because she knows she's like, I've, I've not only have I seen this man before, but I just get a vibe because she's very she's painted as very Christian, very God, very God. Where do you woman. think she was hanging out? Applebee's. Frog Boom! Boom! My fucking case is proved. <laughs> no, nah, man, she was at that swinging uh, Florida bar. Yeah, they were not meeting at Studio 54 in the big city. She was in an Applebee's for sure. Oh, is it a two-for-one apps night? Thank you. <laughs> then he's like, move that Bible. I'm sitting with you. <laughs> it was go time. No, but that see, Okay, so again, I just wanted to... I rest my case, Your Honor. Thank you. Ding, ding, ding. Right. Uh, she was at a very interesting uh, late night spot, Miami, probably, and that's where they met. That's Salsa exactly what I get from the Boonies mom. The Boonies mom who can only quote scripture. I just know first people who she, only first read time one she book. was in Miami. She wanted yeah. up preggers. I get it. It's fine. Yeah. It what, people it who only have read one book in their life and it's the Bible are usually wildly interesting and opening to open to new experiences. That's true. I agree. But anywho, back to back Thanks. to the story at hand. Appreciate uh, the point proven. <laughs> you're, you're welcome, Jerry. You're welcome. Thank you. I'll be listening through the glory hole. You sing my praises. <laughs> but no, when he, when he comes home, right? Yeah. Her first reaction to this horrifying nightmare is you'll leave me for sure now. Yeah. And she believes that her ovaries have been taken. Mm -hmm. And that is such a brutal moment because it shows us that she has relegated herself to a utility in his life. Right. What she can do to facilitate his ego. And it's really fucking hard enough until the phone rings and you know, he's going to run out on her. Yeah. We're both married guys. And it's not like we are like important captains of, you know, the legal system that have important cases. Yeah. Just the podcast industry. I mean, obviously, this Applebee's level insight we're providing. Very yes, this, tra this trash Rita work we're doing is very <laughs> hip, very important. And I smell, is that Flavor Town or sponsorship? I can't tell. Neither, neither here nor there. <laughs> but what I'm saying is imagine looking at your wife's face in that moment of just pure devastation. Mm -hmm. And your only thought is, man, I'm going to be late for my 11 o'clock. And it's it's crushing, man, because I feel like there, there's this weird line in the film where you kind you kind of root for Keanu. Strangely, like I felt like even though he had gotten off the jerker offer and was casually racist and was from Florida. <laughs> yes. You still kind of are rooting for this guy because it's him versus the fucking devil. And so you're like the lesser of two evils kicks in. You're like, yes, I would like to see this man best the devil. And I assume by proxy, that means that he can save her, right? Or she'll help him save himself. And she is just a fucking lamb to slaughter in this movie. And what well, is I slaughtered is not only her, but any fucking love we have for Kevin left in the Well, film. yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing too, is like, you do always want to see, like these kinds of movies, you always see good triumph over evil. That's almost a given. This is the kind of movie, though, where I'm watching and the thing I'm most intrigued by and the thing that most kind of gets me and like gets me into specifically, especially like when he steps outside and she's like, he's waiting for you like, ew, creep. But the thing that's really 
enthralling is that at no point do I think Kevin's going to come up. There's no point in the movie where I feel like Kevin's going to do the right thing. And like, I'm going to go back to Florida or I'm going to go somewhere else and be a lawyer. Like there's no point, there's no indicator that Kevin understands what the right thing is at this point. So for him to basically let that happen to Charlize Theron's wife or Charlize Theron, his wife's character, that is what I think is the really difficult part about the movie to that point is you're just like, I'm not, I'm not rooting for Keanu Reeves to, I'm rooting for Keanu Reeves to try to do the right thing, but I'm almost convinced unilaterally he won't. And I think that's, that's what makes the end of this movie so thrilling is the final scene being this like great courtroom bit. Like it really is like one of the greatest cross examinations of humanity is like these, like it's literally a man who is given into every vice imaginable versus the devil. It's like, it's like, it's like if, 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 in, if in Faust, if Faust got to the end and was talking to the devil and be like, well, here's all the shit I did. Explain to me why. Like that is like kind of like, it's the thing I like the most. Faust is just like, fuck you, devil. We danced in Florida. I'm hot enough. <laughs> great. It's a great Faust impression. I, you know, high arts, high arts. But now, We're very high art here. Yeah. But I think, because that's the thing is, I think in most films like this, right? Especially in these courtrooms, a lot of these characters are of questionable ethical decisions usually playing an ethical, ethically dubious playgrounds at best, right? But I think, I think most of the characters in these courtroom movies, even if they're on the wrong side here and there, we want to believe that when the moment comes, they're going to make the right choice. We need to believe that they're going to make the right choice, especially in this movie. And I think in, a, in the audience mind, there's a version of this where Keanu is going to be like, this is too far what's happening to my beloved wife, that she's running to the church naked and covered in scratches, wrapped in a blanket, right? Seeing right. the woman he loves decimated, literally scratched open and clawed, right? <laughs> that he's going to see that and say, something's got to give. And he's even put to that question by the devil himself. And he fucking flat out refuses to help her. In one of the most gut-wrenching moments in this movie, not even just that he takes her to the, the institution, right? Locks her up, out of sight, out of mind. But the line he says, right? Are you with me? Because Milton says the, uh, you know, you need to leave this case. You love her, don't you? You love her. He gives him the out. He gives him the out. Gives him the fucking out. And Keanu has, in case there was any last bit of you that liked this man at all, the last shred of dignity is ripped <laughs> away, right? Which is, Here's the worst case scenario. I don't know why I'm doing Stone Cold Steve Austin's voice, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, what the hell? Yeah, I I lose the case and I help her, and I never forgive her for it. God damn it! Or you know, that's the thing. Like, I I leave the case, she gets better, and I never forgive her for it. And I resent I resent her for it. Yeah, and it never stops. That case for the guy who definitely is diddling the stepdaughter and murdered his family again not learning from the lesson right that matters more that he lets that man free and impresses john milton than his the woman he loves air quotes uh which i think by the end of the movie is pretty obvious he doesn't uh it's it's fucking horrifying when he says that line of everything that happens in the movie that's such a personal and cutting remark 
that you can almost imagine it being said by real couples that it is it's maybe the most devilish thing done in the film this is the thing that's really fascinating about this scene too is that it's not like you can hear it's that you know for a fact those are conversations that have been had oh yeah look marriage is hard man like You've been married for a long time. I've been married for a long time. We both been with our wives for longer than we've been married. And like, I can tell you like, yeah, it's just marriage is always hard. There's always work to be done. It is what it is. It's not that I resent that work either. It's just, that's part of the deal. Like you're just, you're in a relationship. Relationships require attention and they require work. And I think that's the kind of like gut-wrenching thing about the scene is because it's such a, it's not uncommon. And I think that's the thing that I think is most horrifying and like deceitful about the moment in and of itself is that Kevin is lying to himself the entire rest of the movie, thinking that he has this some semblance of control over his um, his station. Like it's just it's it's untenable. And I think that's the thing that's most upsetting and the most thing that you just stop resenting. Is that the most honest thing he says in the whole fucking movie? Yes. Like, I think that's right? what I'm saying, though, is like, yeah, that's, it's that's what's so <laughs> gut wrenching is you realize this is a guy who this is like like you and I have talked about this when it comes to like other people we've seen get married, other people that have been in long, long term relationships. Where we're like, they just shouldn't be together. And this is like the person you sit there and you go, yeah, like, I'm glad he's happy. But like, she is definitely going to like like these two shouldn't be together. They're going to destroy each other like he's going to destroy yeah. her. And that's exactly what ends up happening. All the like little fights you see before you're married, none of that gets exceptionally better once you sign the papers. Uh, I do love they do that uh, that tele telemarketer or whatever his name is. The remember the guy who's like a flex seal. What's his name? He's like sells that the meme where he's like you know shitty marriage. He's like slaps the tape on the water tank and he's like baby. Yep. And I was like, oh man, they're going through all the fucking red flags. But it's. It's one of those things. I remember hearing this once, right? That there aren't really political parties in America, right? Mm -hmm. That if you really boil it down, there's two mindsets, right? Do you think America is a team proposition where we all have to work together and cooperate and that way we'll all get to the end? Or do you think it's a winner takes all game where by someone else having something they're inherently taking from you? And those are the two mindsets, right? All these other things boil down to that at the end, right? Team game, solo game. And what we learn about Kevin and what sadly we learn that Marianne has learned about herself is that there is no fucking team. She is here to prop him up. She is here to be an accessory, a fancy earring on the the body Kevin, right? And it's it's just sad because I feel like this is one of those extreme things that happens in a movie. Very rarely in life do we see this played out to such horrifying extents, right? Usually there's just a lot of casual sniping and very cutting remarks and rudeness and horribleness affair. You go your separate ways, right? This is the Mm -hmm. most devastating way to really rapidly see the consequences of how you fucking treat people. And I don't know. There's a part of me that just wanted him to do better, right? Because when this happens sandwiched in with, yeah, the Eddie Barzoon speech, right? And I didn't want Kevin to be an Eddie Barzoon. But he was going to be like, I think this is the really important thing about a movie like The Devil's Advocate is like it doesn't 
there's nothing about this that takes the and i think that's a really great like that's a great tendency a lot of movies like this have which is to say like i'm going to i'm gonna i i want these guys to i want this guy to do better i want this person to be better so i'm going to write it in a way that gives him opportunity to be the hero we all want him to be and that's just not a movie like this because it this movie's not about heroism it's about cowardice the yeah. true pain in the face of true work that needs to be done like that is what really it ends up being about and i think that kevin's whole character is about winning but about being right and i think and by to that extent being righteous and that's where we get back to and that kind of thing because it's it is this huge Faust and he makes the beginning of the movie and he just falls for it hook, line and sinker again. Like, and yeah, the Eddie, Eddie Barzoom thing is a great, is it a great, like, cause it's interesting. You get to see like the end result of Kevin Lomax before anything happens. You're like, that is how this would all go. 1000%. I mean, I wrote down some of the lines cause it's the speech of the film to me. Like the finale is great, but the Eddie Barzoom, the Barzoom one. Yeah, I think it's the best because it is such a specific indictment on all the things that are worst about ourselves and we can't stop, right? Which Mm -hmm. is, he's the poster child for the next millennium. You sharpen the human appetite egos to they're the size of gods or every man becomes his own god. Uh, Who's got their eye on the planet? (laughs) Right? We got a million Eddie Barzoons ready to fist fuck God's former planet. (laughs) Right? And so... He just starts going in and it is because it's as you're watching it and as you hate that man and as you think, oh, well, Kevin Lomax will rise above. Therefore, I can rise above. It's fine when no one does. And this was the other thing that's really cool about that. In that moment, when Eddie gets taken out by the demonic uh, homeless people, Marianne feels the blows. She feels it right? connected somehow to what's happening. And it's just this very specific cutting. Your ambitions and everything we want, everything we do is leading us to this fucking path and we can't fucking stop it. And so that makes the, the moment when Marianne plunges that glass into herself, right? Which is extra hard yeah. because what does she kill herself with? A mirror where she's able to see her own reflection. And it's not her reflection that sets her off, but the demonic face of the other. But still, mm-hmm. she starts with a moment of, oh, look at me. I like myself pretty well. Oh, God. But her killing herself with a mirror, I thought, was such a a beautiful touch on a just devastating moment. Just eviscerates I mean, me. Again, there's just like, how this movie has to do just like such obvious imagery and make it work so well is, again, like, not a lot of movies that can do that the way they do it. Just like it's done to such like caustic and brutal effect, still just like hooked. It's that scene particularly. You're just like, damn. Yeah. And then, what's her what's her last line? I love you. It's like this brutal scene. Uh. This woman takes her life. Kevin has this fucking blow. He walks outside and it's fucking empty streets. And there's yeah. that fucking, his fucking assistant is like, he's waiting for you. Yeah. Now we've like crossed over into this awesome, awesomely 
supernatural piece, which is like my, like, and again, like it's a great set piece, but the just stillness of the street in New York city, because we've been surrounded by people the entire time. Like it's fast. Everything's quick. The stillness of the street. When he walks out, you're just like, wow. Like there's just, there's nothing more terrifying. Yeah. And this is, this gets to the kind of, before we actually get into what happens in his office, right? Do you think Mm -hmm. that at the end, right? Because he takes two losses right in a row, right? Which is he finds out that Gettys was found with another girl in his trunk, right? Who knew the jerker Mm -hmm. offer wasn't above board? (laughs) You know, you should have known after what he's doing below board. But then he loses Marianne, right? And he has the same fucking shitty line he says to her in the church, which is, what have you done to yourself? That's what he's screaming, not, oh, fuck, or like, I'm lost. Like, I, I love you too. Yeah. What have you done to yourself? And what you can tell that he fucking means is what have you done to me, right? Yeah. So when he shows up into Milton's office and he walks in and you can tell that there's something, something has changed, right? Do you think that he is actually regretful for what this has cost him? Or do you think he's mad that he took a loss that Milton has beat him to this point? Milton has made him the loser he's yet to be. I don't think that he realizes he's lost yet. I think that he's, I think he's in there for a very specific human reason, which is you want to, this is a, like what we do in our lives, like who we are, how we are like, it's difficult to accept blame of any kind. You don't want to have to be in the wrong, like, but sometimes you are because you just have no, listen, like I said earlier, we're married. How many times have you apologized knowing full well you didn't do anything Fucking wrong? never. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but in reality, like you never, nobody ever wants to have to admit that their selfishness led to such horrific ends. But like, he's coming in there, but do you guns blazing, ready to go. Do you think to himself he regrets any of his decisions so far? I don't think he realizes that or he, the accepted responsibility. The, absolutely not. I there's yeah. no way a character who's gone through this, the way Kevin Lomax has gone through all this so far and accepted responsibility for it. What he's had to do is accept that something has gone amiss and he's had to like it's fascinating. Like, this is like the masterful turn this like ending scene takes. Cause look, there's like a 90% chance in the hands of different director different writer this scene becomes incredibly hokey and like kind of like you know kind of as we said earlier very petty because it doesn't make any sense for a guy who's been to come in guns blazing for another person who had nothing to do with the entire time just because earlier in the movie she's like it was milton milton was in the house and he definitely did all this of course he's not gonna but like Oh, we also blew past that he finds out Milton and his mom hooked up. That Milton was working as a fucking waiter. So he's the son of the devil. Right. That was a nice little toss in. Right. Working as a waiter. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. Son of the devil. Trying to get down with the every man. I get it. It's fine. Um, We knew it would come from Florida. That was the least surprising plot twist. Florida's the play. But yeah, like it's a really important for you for people to like when they watch this scene the hairpin turn it takes from being about like 
look what you did to me to what like to him literally like whoa 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 this is like the greatest litigation moment ever is like hang on because this is closing arguments and he's sitting there and he's giving him his peace and be like how dare you do this to me how dare you do this to my family you have no idea what we had and he goes uh-uh you're not gonna play me like that for one yeah. i'm the fucking devil but two for one i'm the devil two i'm your dad and three you are not being honest yourself take some yeah. and he says he's like take some fucking responsibility it's right because yeah. pin turn it takes as it becomes less about how dare you and more about how dare i how dare i allow greed and the devil's favorite sin vanity to overtake my life to the point where it cost me the very thing that meant more than anything which is love it's yeah. It's very, it's it's very fascinating. It's a very fascinating scene to watch. But to your point, no, I did not believe Kevin walks in having taken any responsibility until he's finally kind of yeah. like stripped bare and been like, dude, be real with yourself. Yeah, because that moment where he gets smacked down, where he's like, didn't I tell you? Didn't I ask you? Right? And he's laying into him. And you're and Keanu for one moment, I I wonder if there's ever that pause, right? There's that moment where he's like, fuck lawyered like he lawyered me i'm wrong like i definitely didn't want to help this lady but i wonder because they Mm -hmm. the way he plays it is pretty brilliant which is do i think that he takes even half a second to be like god he's right i'm like a bad guy or is he like well played let's get back into this i'm gonna jujitsu your ass back and prove that it's all your fault right and it's it's this funny dynamic where you're like even then kevin doesn't fucking hit the bended knee and it fucking bothered me and i don't know i mean this is one of those stories you're like i don't know that there can really be a winner in dealing with the devil uh final piece of evidence i'd like to submit to the court for why the devil's extra pathetic in this one (laughs) i love the idea that god has allowed this banished fallen angel to go to earth and just lets him fucking drop nut all over the planet so he's just walking around dropping nuts making babies and this has happened uh, you assume after watching the movie a lot of times where he's like this is the one this is the boy who's gonna bring it all down and to watch him fucking fail again when keanu destroys himself at the end right that is another just indignation to the devil but i was like this pathetic bastard like all the way up, he's like, I finally got him. I got him. I got him. Fuck. Like you could see it on his face, the rage. Cause he's like, the, cause he even says that the God's a prankster. He likes to watch. Yeah. And if what he says For is a true, sick fucking game, a sick fucking game that God is laughing sits his ass on his sick fucking ass. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the thing that I never figured out about church people, which is where they're like, well, the devil is like a real bad guy. He's evil. And I'm like, but that he can't exist in that form in your in your storybook, right? If there's an all-powerful God, he knew what Lucifer was going to do and drops him down. So Lucifer just becomes this. It's not his fault that we're doing what we're doing. The movie reinforces that. Lucifer in this film is more a one of us in a pitiful, sad little loser than in so many other. And I, I like that highlighting. But that last indignation. Dude, he runs a fucking high law firm he's not a loser all right let's he's a fucking loser you think he cared about all those economic treaties or just fucking keanu making the pancake batter what was his mission 
He can have all I mean, the leather back chairs he mission. wants. Yeah, that's what his mission was, but he didn't have to, he didn't live, he didn't live small. The fuck he didn't. I saw that restaurant. He had a big ass. <laughs> no, I I thought it was great though, because there there's even the point when I mean it feels like Pacino's monologuing for like 15 minutes. And the lady's just in there like, God, shut up. Can we fuck already? <laughs> <laughs> can the, i fuck the, my brother yeah, i was, I was gonna say <laughs> i was gonna say the queen of themiscara finally throws down she's like shut <laughs> up yeah no wonder she had to make her daughter out of clay this is ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it the was devil's so just taking all the time making pancake batter yeah. i like that no one can deny that 20th century was entirely mine and i was like yeah because you haven't stopped monologuing for 100 Dude, that years is, i when we when we decided to do this month, I honestly like that is one of my all time favorite lines in a movie. Like I think that is just like absolutely again. Like he just it becomes a like it's interesting because the 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 monologue keeps shifting. It starts as this like indictment of Kevin's um, wherewithal as a man, and then an indictment as like a greedy person, and then him like admitting it, and then you know they finally like. Are negotiating terms or whatever, and it turns into this indictment of God. Finally, at this indictment of the legal system, saying like, "Listen, this is the best way in." Like, this is the new priesthood. He says, "Yeah," and he's right. And it's it's a fascinating. It's a great. It's just a great bit of monologue, and it's fun to watch Al Pacino do Al Pacino things. But like, then the devil, the devil, honestly fucks to Sinatra. I was like, God, lame. Oh, fuck you. That's great. I knew that would cut to your Italian core. No one fucks to Sinatra. That's when you drink and pretend you've led a better life than you have. That's when Sinatra comes on. Okay. Well, I'm sorry we're not fucking to Slayer, but, you know, life goes on, right? <laughs> Ew, how coarse. It's Rush. But <laughs> I, forgot, I, forgot, I, for, I forgot you fucked to such lofty, ambition, ambitious music. I fucked to 2112, like all high-minded individuals. <laughs> actually, actually, my all, actually, it has one. So Kevin offs himself, and like uh, Al Pacino reverts to his uh, angel, fallen angel form, which Keanu face. When he finally like slams his head up in the heavens, like screaming, like, no. He looks exactly like Adam Sandler, and it always throws me. You're going a little little Nicky with this? (laughs) It honestly is like, it's the, no. So the he makes is the screaming that Adam Sandler does and click. He wakes up and realizes he's a fat guy. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's really funny about this final scene is that when I worked at Fox, this movie has like a lore among Fox studio employees. Because really? my desk was right next to the legal team, right? And when I was in post-production. Mm-hmm. And the guys would always talk about this movie because that giant painting or sculpture behind his desk that, like, begins to yeah. move and is the gates of hell, that was an actual mm-hmm. piece of art created by an artist. And yeah, someone forgot to get that cleared. And so this Are movie was serious? out. This movie was in theaters when the lawsuit hit, as I was told. And cost them millions of dollars for using this guy's art. Uncleared. Oh my god! Are you, I didn't know any of that. Oh yeah, because they used to talk. Because we'd be like, "God damn it, you guys are always slowing us down." Because they would always need cuts from me, right? So I'd have to take yes. them every single new cut to the guy who would clear things, and he's like, "Oh, you guys think we're slowing it down now?" But on Devil's Advocate, I was like, god. "They always told that war story." 
So now every time I see that final scene, that's what I think about is how someone just fucking screwed the pooch up. and ruined their career because they did not clear that giant sculpture thing. And I was like, it's not like Holy it's a small fuck. thing. It's like 20 by I did 20. not know that. Yeah, they, it cost them a lot, according to uh, my coworker. So this is like, so, okay. So this whole thing happens and we've talked about this when it happens in other movies. Like this is one of my like least favorite tech movies where like the blink of an eye so like it comes back and he's in uh he's back in hot florida well this okay so time out like you know the we gotta pause here is this time travel or is the devil just running out probability simulations because if this is time travel that's extra fucking sad how many times has the devil had to do this oh no i think it's the latter Time travel? No, you said probability simulations. Probability is what I always assume. I always assume it is. See, this one felt like because he pops in at the end, I thought this was like a he has the power to wind back the clock. Uh, no, because I mean, if it happens all in the eye of Kevin's mind, it's only happening to Kevin. Like, obviously, the facilitator is the devil, but then, so because then when he when he like morphs back into the report when he morphs from being the reporter back into himself you know he's like vanity definitely (laughs) my favorite (laughs) scene how great is that tag though because i'm with you i kind of hate this like the cheekiness of this move Mm -hmm. but in this movie specifically i think it serves a a very important point so he walks in and he's like i'm not doing this anymore like i can't this guy's a jerker offer fuck this guy, you know, let him jerk her off her in the big house, right? And everyone's like, oh, the Vipers, I can't believe it, you're going to be disbarred, the Colts can't handle this, a true honest defense lawyer in Florida. There's truism from this man. Yeah, and he walks in and he stares at the wife that he neglected into the fucking grave. And he's like, oh, another shot. (laughs) Right? Like, it's a fucking free life in Mario. He comes out and they're like, what are you going to do? And he's like, I don't know, but we're together. It's fine. And when he gets caught on the thing and he's like, this could be a story. This could be on 60 minutes. And the moment it gets to that level, you see the wheels turning. And Kevin, and we don't know if Marianne would have any kind of memories of what had just happened. Kevin, 100. Well, okay. That's not necessarily assumed. I'm assuming that's true. Is that Kevin has memory of what just went down has like the memory yeah the memory of this i guess daydream had yeah. for like five seconds and even knowing that he succumbs again to his fucking vanity because we're all eddie barzoons just looking for something to fist fuck yep and i actually and think it's a really because the movie's so fun right it's a big story about the nature of evil and this and that but it always is done in the most fun way possible except for marianne's story right that was our serious drama they added yeah i think for the movie to end on keanu just destroying himself one makes keanu more heroic and redemptive than he deserves to be and two it's a pretty somber note for that movie so i do kind of appreciate well i mean I appreciate the tag because it ends on the note we all know it should end on is it doesn't make him a hero and it makes the devil like the hero of his own story goes, I always get my man like it is what it is. 
Yeah. And that is the story of Fox News. So, <laughs> well, the whole movie's telling us one thing. And to think that he's just going to get out didn't yeah. feel right. This, this has a very Twilight Zone ending, which will always work for me if utilized mm-hmm. to narrative value, which this certainly is. Uh, yeah, at the Absolutely. end, I just, I, I think it's the, it's the mix of just, insane fun with really scary big ideas right this movie examines really big heady space but it doesn't waste time trying to elevate us up or making us do that right it lets us have time with that down the road if we want but really it's just a really fucking fun thriller that's legitimately scary watching marianne just get crushed by her husband's shittiness is so fucking brutal and that every scene with pacino is just so worth the time you'll spend with this film and it's a lot of time <laughs> it's it's pretty great i mean it's just it's too it's the greatest it's one of the, my favorite al pacinos it's surprising movie that i'm just willing to sit through every time because it's yeah. it it never <laughs> it never strays from the formula of being so much that you give a shit because normally when movies go this big i'm like I really don't care at a certain point. Come on, and I'm like on, yeah. invested and I, <laughs> and I know exactly where it's going the entire time. And I'm always like yeah. enamored with it. So also a strange film where there's not really an innocent or someone to root for, but no. it still oh, works. I rooted for Marianne to survive. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Her, her bargain was not as nefarious as everyone else's, but yeah, that's it guys for the devil's advocate. Uh, we'll be back in court next week defending a law-abiding citizen. Uh, that is a fucking stunningly fun movie. And I can't wait to talk about it next week. Make sure you rate and review the show wherever you find us, especially Apple Podcast app. Go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel, Film Alchemist. You can email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Find us on all the social media you're on. Uh, until next time, I'm Josh. I'm Alex Dandino. Hooah! Hooah! Uh, one last one.